I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 138 in which we make our 2014 quilty resolutions. And I'm recording this on Monday, December 16th, 2013. Um, I don't even know what time it is, so don't even worry about that. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to anybody who is a new listener. And I know in the last few days I've been getting a couple of emails from new listeners, so I know you're out there. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you decided to join us. I have a couple of announcements and thank yous. Um, one quick update to something I talked about on a previous uh, episode. I then will have my Sandy update. I did actually get a little bit of something going on. And then I will do our content for this episode, which is the Quilty Resolutions. And then if I have time, I have a few reviews for you. So let us begin. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for a couple of new reviews that I found on iTunes. Thank you so much for everybody who has put a review or a star rating on iTunes. I know I do read through those when I'm looking at new podcasts, so I appreciate everybody who's trying to help out those who might be checking out my podcast for the first time. I also, just for kicks and giggles, I only do this maybe once or twice a year. I went into the um, iTunes from the UK, and I did find five reviews on there, so thank you for that. Um, unfortunately, it tends to sort of hitch up my computer and crash iTunes altogether when I switch countries. It doesn't really like me doing that very much, so UK was the only one I checked this time. I do want to check a couple of other countries as well, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, particularly. If you're from a completely different country and would like me to check out any reviews you might have left on iTunes in that country, shoot me an email and let me know, and I will go check it out. Thank you so much for that. Um, the one kind of update I need to give is in my blog, and I believe I referred to this on my podcast, last podcast episode maybe, the shawl that I got that was woven by folks at Rainbow Acres, and I kept saying I couldn't remember what it was named, but it started with a P, so much for memory, it doesn't start with a P. I emailed my friend that works at Rainbow Acres and found out it's a Ruana R-U-A-N-A. And Ruana is defined as a poncho-style outer garment typical of the Andes region of Venezuela and Colombia. That's not from my friend. <laughs> she doesn't write like Wikipedia. That was, in fact, from Wikipedia. Um, according to a Colombian tourism agency cited on Wikipedia, the word Ruana comes from something meaning land of blankets, which was refer used to refer to woolen fabrics manufactured by the Mwisca natives? Mwisa? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, I just, I had to kind of giggle because I felt like Land of Blankets was very descriptive of my house at this time of year. And in fact, I am wearing it now with a hoodie underneath and a long sleeve shirt and um, yoga pants and thick socks and slippers. And yet, indeed, I still have a little space heater under my desk. On. <laughs> it is it's a little cold out there, folks. Um, we've got beautiful snow. It's actually still been snowing today. We've probably picked up even another couple of inches today. But it's supposed to warm up and get kind of wet and rainy and slushy by the end of this week. So it's going to get 
just gross out there. So I'm, I'm enjoying the beauty while I still can, even if I do have to wear, you know, 15 or 20 layers while sitting in my own house while doing that. Um, okay, so those are the updates. I do want to also make an announcement. Well, I've got a couple of giveaways. Well, actually, I'm going to have several going on at once. The Quilty Resolutions from this episode will have a giveaway attached to it. Um, although now that I think about it, I haven't decided what I'm giving away. Oops, my bad. I'll take care of that soon. Um, I will have another giveaway uh, that I will be announcing on my next podcast episode, which will involve an interview. I'm very excited about that. Um, this interview has been a long time in the works because we've both, we've rescheduled it about five times, I think. <laughs> I think, you know, keep your fingers crossed. It will actually happen later this week. And so I'll be able to post that episode um, next weekend. And then, yes, indeed, here in the United States, well, actually, you know, in various parts of the world, we're coming up to Christmas for those who celebrate Christmas and the day after Christmas, which is also known in some countries as Boxing Day. And indeed, I will be doing a Boxing Day sew-in. I'll be hosting my usual Boxing Day sew-in. Um, I will probably be doing a linky on my blog for any other podcasters or bloggers who would like to do giveaways of their own. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll talk more about that in the next episode and I'll put something on my blog. But get ready for the Boxing Day sew-in because I'm not going anywhere the day after Christmas. So I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be nice. It'll be a lot of fun. And I've already got projects on the docket to be done that day. So Sandy update. Um, I went on my Shirley DeMott Memorial Shop Hop. <laughs> last Friday. Um, and you can see more about that in my blog and why it's called the Shirley DeMott Memorial Annual Shop Up. Uh, I did buy just a handful of patriotic fabrics. I didn't actually buy much um, because, you know, as you know, I'm not really buying a lot of commercial fabrics right now. But I did have a project in mind for which I needed some some form of patriotic fabric. It could have just been, you know, red, whites, and blues, which I would have been able to just do for my stash. But I was kind of looking for stuff specifically with a flag on it, which I had nothing in my stash. Um, and then as it turned out, I didn't end up using any of what I bought anyway. Now, fortunately, I had not bought huge quantities because from the beginning, this was going to be a small project. Um, so I've only, I think I've only got a quarter yard of three different fabrics. And then I did buy one that's just a mottled blue. I bought half a yard of that because, hey, who doesn't need a mottled blue in your stash? So that one I got a little bit more of. Um, so it's not like it was, you know, I spent a bunch of money and then change, uh, changed, what am I looking for? Changed horses midstream, fabric-y horses midstream. Uh, but in any case, I did end up not using any of those. So <laughs> who knows, maybe that'll be my giveaway. <laughs> Let somebody else have the fun with them. On the other hand, I do have another project coming up that maybe I should hang on to them for. In any case, the project I was doing uh, was I wanted to make something for one of my friends from church who was just sworn in last week as a U.S. citizen, which was very exciting. Unfortunately, I was not able to actually attend his swearing-in uh, ceremony because it was when I was out of town for work, but I wanted to make sure he knew that I was happy for him and celebrating this um, big advent in his life. And so I was going to make just a smallish wall hanging. And when I was talking to my husband about it, um, we went out for dinner the night of the shop up, and he said, you know, I really like those postcards you've been making. Why don't you do something like that? And I was like, okay, you know, when dear husband um, gives me positive reinforcement for this very, very expensive hobby of mine, <laughs> I, I like to, you know, give that credence. 
Uh, it's not that I always do what he says. In fact, I rarely do what he says. But in this case, I was willing to say, you know what? Yeah, I can do a postcard. And I, I sort of had the thought that might be a faster project. And then, of course, I never do anything the fastest way possible. So it did take me, it still only took me a couple of hours. It was not a big deal. But um, I ended up making a postcard that was pretty much a, a U.S. flag. I didn't go abstract. I kind of thought about abstract stuff, but I didn't really know if that would um, be what this person would most appreciate. I decided he'd probably most appreciate something that looks as much like the flag as possible. Uh, so I did I did a five by seven inch postcard. And to measure that out, and then I to leave myself a little bit of a margin for a um, binding of some sort, I kind of drew myself a little bit of a blank margin on the um, the pellon that I was using as the postcard stiff part. And in order to fit 13 stripes, because there are 13 stripes on our flag, on the U.S. flag, I they ended up just kind of shy of 3.8 inches. They weren't a full 3.8 of an inch each. So what I would do is I would count a quarter inch or 2 eighth inch markings and then I'd slide it up kind of halfway to the next line, which would have been three-eighths. So it was sort of like they were two-eighths and a half, whatever. I guess that would be something in the sixteenths, but my rulers are not marked for sixteenths of an inch. Um, so that meant the stripes probably weren't exactly, if you were to measure them on a ruler with sixteenths of an inch, they wouldn't be exactly all the same, you know, because I was sort of eyeballing it a little bit. But, you know, it's close enough when you're fusing. <laughs> I was able to get away with it. They looked, they looked pretty much all the same. And then I sat and stitched in white down the stripes, and I sat and stitched in blue around the blue part that's the star field. And then instead of trying to fit 52 little bitty stars on that star field, I just sat and stitched a single star shape in blue. I very nicely had, um, I have several sets of those June Taylor shape template things that you can buy at Joann's, and I had one that was stars. So I found a star that was just the perfect shape. Um, so I sat and stitched, I sketched it out in chalk and then sat and stitched it on the lines. Um, so, you know, I, I decided that was enough to make it not an exact representation of the flag and make it enough abstract for me um, <laughs> to kind of enjoy it a little bit. And anyway, and then I was able to use just the little bit left of the red and white fabrics I'd used for the stripe, uh, stripes when I had put the fusing on the back. I had a little bit left, and so I just used that on the backing. So it worked very well. Um, and then I did a fused binding in the blue. Um, the only problem was, as I was doing my very last hit it with the iron once to make sure everything was fused down for sure, my iron spit, which it's been doing more and more of lately. Um, if I don't keep the steam on full force, it tends to want to spit at me. And when you're fusing, you don't want steam. Now, in the past, I had had, a, I had, had two irons, and one was always dry, and I just used it for fusing. But then my son came home one night for dinner and happened to say, Hey, Mom, I need an iron. Well, guess what? <laughs> I ended up giving him that extra iron. So now I just, you know, try not to have iron in the iron when I'm fusing, or water in the iron when I'm fusing. But I had gotten a little bit lazy and I had not dumped the water out. So it really, it, that was my fault. And I should have. Um, but just a little splotch of the fabric of the red bled onto the white. So the first step I did was I took a little bit of Synthropol that I have down in the basement for my hand dyeing, and I tried scrubbing out a little bit of it with that. It took some of it out, but you could still see it, or at least I could still see it. Then I decided, well, why don't I try a color catcher? And so I took a color catcher out um, 
Those are the things you throw in the washing machine. They look like a dryer sheet, but you throw them in the washing machine. I also use those for my hand dyeing as well as we use them just for regular laundry. I dampened a corner of that and scrubbed out a little bit and I got more of it off, but still, it was still visible. Um, so I let it dry for a little while and then I thought, you know what, I must have. With all the number of oil sticks and fabric paints and everything I've got in this house, I've got to have something that's white. And sure enough, I found that in the Sukuniko inks that I bought a while back, which I've only vaguely played with yet, I did have a white. So I dabbed a little bit that was kind of full strength on where the satin stitching, where the white thread had gotten some red on it. Um, but then I watered it way down to do the white fabric because the white was a tone on tone. And if I used it full strength, it just, it looked painted. It didn't, you couldn't see the tone on tone. Um, I had a little test strip I was working with. But when I watered it down, it was enough to cover up the red, but still let the tone and tone show through. So that was perfect. You can't see the red anymore. It's beautiful. And of course, as soon as I got that done, the first thing I did was sit down on my computer and order <laughs> the dry iron that Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner had talked about. Gosh, it must have been a year or so ago. Um, I think, Sandy, I don't remember how long you've had yours, but I think it must have been only sometime last spring. Um, and Kati had also ordered the same iron. Now, they both found it on Amazon. Last time I had looked for it, because I'd been thinking about buying this thing for a while, then kept hoping, well, surely I must see one at a garage sale, forgetting that I never go to garage sales, so I never found one. Um, but anyway, they had found it on Amazon, but when I had looked at Amazon, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I don't know whether I was just using the wrong search terms or whatever. So this time, in my frustration and just wanting to get this thing done, I sat down, went straight to the Vermont Country Store uh, website, ordered the dry iron, and ended up paying probably $10 more for it than what Sandy and Kati seems to have um, spent. But that's okay. I will certainly get my use out of it. Um, <laughs> I was joking with them on Twitter that I had not paid for expedited shipping as much as I was tempted to because I was ready to throw my old iron out the window. Watch out, squirrels. Uh, and by the way, any new listeners, I want to offer this disclaimer now. I take no responsibility for any money that I might make you spend as I talk about stuff I've used and you decide you can no longer live without it. Um, that's a, 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 a hazard of listening to quilt podcasts because other podcasters have done it to me. I hear them talking about something and I decide I really need that and I end up buying it. And I know people have emailed me periodically after one of my episodes saying, great, thanks for making me spend my money. So that's my disclaimer. Just get ready. It might happen. The other thing that happened this week is I did get my Rapid Fire Hunter Star ruler in the mail from AJ. If you remember, I had won that in her um, Black Friday sew-in giveaway, and it was just sitting on my con at cutting table just taunting me, just calling to me. I've actually been looking at that ruler on and off for a few years. You know, I've seen it at, at vendor booths in um, quilt conferences and such, and I was... I would kind of pick it up and look at it and think about it and then put it down and then pick it up and look at it and think about it and put it down. So the fact that I wanted, I was very excited about it. And I was just chomping at the bit to try to use this thing. So um, a couple days ago, I'm still working on that art quilt project, but I'm sort of at this pause point where I'm just sort of trying, I, it needs something more, but it hasn't told me yet what it really needs. I've been kind of toying with various ideas. So I decided the ticket might be to do something completely other that's my story and I'm sticking to it <laughs> anyway. So I um, very much impulsively pulled some fabrics off my shelf and started doing using the rapid fire hunter star ruler. I've got all my cutting done. Um, 
I might get to some sewing tonight, but I've got a conference call later, so I'm not sure if I will or not. Uh, but the cutting, I'm doing just baby quilt size, so I'm not having to do a lot of cutting. I did have um, a lot of red, white, and black fabric left from the baby quilt I made for my niece, so I decided this might be a good way to use some of that up. So when I get it done, I don't have any specific um, destination for this. So it might end up being a donation quilt, or I might just, I was thinking the other day, what I really should start doing is making baby quilts and putting them on a shelf somewhere so that as my various nieces and nephews start having baby quilts, I can just yank one off the shelf and send it rather than always being on this deadline <laughs> situation. So we'll see. Maybe I would do that. I don't know yet. I don't tend to be that smart about things. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. You know, so far in the cutting of it, I like the ruler. We'll see how well it actually sews up. So um, thank you again, AJ, for providing me some much-needed distraction. Um, and again, I am already, I'm still working on that art quilt project, and I'm actually already designing another art quilt project based on a craftsy class uh, in my head. I don't have anything drawn yet, but I've been kind of collecting some resources, so that might be the next thing I work on. It could be, maybe, I don't know. All right, so content. It is time for us to talk about our 2014 Quilty Resolutions. As those of you who are longtime listeners know, I do indeed like to do quilty resolutions every year. Um, those of you who are new, this is your first experience with it. So what fun. I am somebody who makes resolutions. I don't think of them as the evil that a lot of people do. I have learned a lot about making resolutions over the years. I love the new year. And in fact, I usually have two new years during a year. <laughs> I have January, which is everybody's new year. And then I tend to also see September as a new year because actually my program or my work life is very much based on a program year, which runs September to kind of July. August is sort of this hang time month. Um, so, you know, I've never fully gotten off of the academic calendar. I'm still very much an academic calendar kind of person, September to June, September to June. That's kind of what I'm used to working. So September often feels like a new year to me as well. And, you know, it's it's well-timed because then I can kind of pull myself back together from all that stuff I thought I was going to do in January and didn't actually get done. So anyway, I do like resolutions. What I've learned about making resolutions is to keep them limited, keep them small and manageable so that I can feel like I've actually achieved something. If you listened to my last episode, you will know that when I reported in on how I did on my 2013 resolution, I broke my own rule. I made too many resolutions. And at the time, it did all feel quite manageable, but what I didn't allow for in myself was just, well, first of all, my work life sort of blowing up again. It, you know, the, the fact that I make resolutions at a time when my work life might be in a certain mode, and then all of a sudden my work life is in a very different mode. That just happens. Um, the last few years, it really has been all dependent on my work life. The next year, it might become dependent more on um, family life because my husband's parents are starting to need a little bit more help um, with some stuff. And probably of the, um, I mean, all the, my husband and his brothers are great about helping. Two of his brothers are out of town. One of his brothers is in town. Um, but the other sister-in-law who's in town is less able to help for um, a variety of external reasons, not internal. I mean, she would be helpful and she tries to be as helpful as she can be. So there are some things that I'm probably just going to end up um, doing because I'm the most uh, able to do those things, and which I'm thrilled to be able to do, and I have a great relationship with my in-laws and want to be as helpful as I can. Um, but that just means there may become some, some times coming up in my the next year or so 
that I have less time available to me than I've had the last couple of times. So I'm, I'm prepared for that. And I'm trying to um, keep my expectations of the year commensurate with that without, you know, making a whole bunch of plans for myself that ultimately I'm not going to be able to do and just feeling kind of frustrated about that to make as few plans as possible so that anything I get done feels like gravy. <laughs> so that's my goal. Now, the other thing I tend to do about resolutions is I do tend to have themes and I do this in my personal life as well, where I will have sort of categories that I look at. And for many years, there was, you know, the physical category. What resolutions do I have for myself physically, which generally always has the same thing, you know, be at the gym more often and watch my eating more so that I can be healthier. Um, sometimes there's a spiritual component. Sometimes there's a what you might call an intellectual or an educational component, things I want to learn, that sort of thing. And so I tend to follow that sort of same thing in my quilting life. And indeed, I consider my physicality part of my quilting life because the healthier I am, the more able I am to sit at my sewing machine, actually. Um, the more workouts I get, the more able I'm to sit for longer periods of time, which is very bass backwards, but that's the way it seems to work. Um, so anyway, 2014, as I was starting to look at what I wanted to do personally for my resolutions and what I might then share with you, um, one thing kept coming back and a phrase kept popping up in my head and I finally decided, you know what? I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to go with it. So our theme for 2014 Quilty Resolutions is getting the quilted monkey off your back. Okay, so for those of you who may not be familiar with the phrase, the monkey on your back is a phrase that originated somewhere in the 1960s um, from what I have read. And at first it symbolized use of, shall we say, illicit substances. Somebody who had a monkey on their back was somebody that was addicted to drugs generally. Um, the phrase has since then morphed into meaning anything that weighs you down or holds you back. You can refer to a lot of things as a monkey on your back if it feels like it's kind of weighing you down or if it's sort of holding you back. It's sort of that baggage or that guilt or just something that's keeping you from moving forward. So I, as I was thinking through the things I wanted to try to accomplish in 2014, I realized they were all things that guilt might be too strong a word, but it was things that I, I felt just a little bit bad about. And so I decided, you know, that's what I'm going to kind of base my 2014 resolutions on is trying to make myself feel better about certain, certain things by accomplishing them, basically. So for me, one of my quilted monkey monkeys that's on my back is the number of craftsy classes I now own <laughs> that I have not yet completed. Now, mind you, I've completed several. Um, and I still wish Craftsy would let me mark one as completed. But in any case, um, I have several that I'm working on at any given time. Working might mean just watching them. Um, and there are classes that you really can just kind of watch all the way through, glean the knowledge that you can get from them without having to do the projects or whatever. But there's many that either I haven't started at all yet, or I've watched them and thought, you know, I really need to do that one, mostly like the ones on free motion quilting and stuff. I really need to sit down and practice some of them, and I haven't done it yet. And so for me, craftsy classes are one of those monkeys on my back. I will feel much better if I can even just accomplish two or three and just get them done. So I'm not putting myself on, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to get X done or I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and make a plan and figure out what order I'm going to do these in. Um, because I tend to just sort of leave it up to whim, which means it tends not to always get done. And I'm probably not going to order all of them. I'm just going to say, okay, the next two that
that I want to do are A and B. Um, and then go from there. And once I've done that, then I've done enough to make myself feel better about the fact. And I will do my best not to buy any more <laughs> until I've gotten that done. But again, I'm not putting myself under any hard or fast rules because every now and then one comes on sale and I feel like, you know what? I should get it while it's on sale because I'll always own it then. So anyway, that's for me one of them. My second one is my stash, and I don't have a stash that makes me feel guilty. I've got quite a reasonable size stash. It's it's normal. So, well, who knows what normal is, but it's not huge. And I have nothing in bins, you know, that are not visual. I can see everything in my stash. I've got nothing in other rooms, nothing stored anywhere else. It's all right here in my sewing room. So it's not a stash that I feel at all bad about. That being said, I would like to use more of it. So I'm going to be really kind of focused on using up some of that stash on scrap or donation quilts. So I'm going to be doing that as I'm working on art quilts, which often don't involve specifically my commercial fabrics. They will, they tend to involve more my hand-dyed fabrics or other what I call weird fabrics that I have. I know, it's all those garment sewing fabrics, and I'm not a garment sewer, so all those fabrics are just weird, but they're fun for art quilts. Uh, so that's going to be something I'm focused on as well. And again, I'm not setting myself up uh, any rules, any parameters. I'm just going to try to maintain that focus, you know, use up, use my stash, use my stash, use my stash. And I think the way that's going to end up playing out is like it just did this weekend. Okay, I'm working on an art quilt project. That's where I'm really getting jazz. That's where my creative energies are really flowing. But every now and then I need to take a pause because something isn't speaking to me and I just need to let it brew for a bit. So while it's brewing, I'll whip out a quick donation quilt. I'll make a disappearing nine patch or I'll do a jelly roll quilt or something that, you know, I can put together relatively quickly, although, you know, I may decide to challenge myself sometime. But I will say I'm going to just use all the stuff from my stash um, and see how that goes. The third thing I really want to do, the thing that is really holding me back, and I know this is holding me back, and I know this is the reason why I've got certain UFOs on my shelf, is because of my machine quilting. I still don't have a lot of confidence around my machine quilting. I've done some things that have gone very well, other things that have not. And so I really just need to practice more um, so that I can do the quilting on those projects I want to quilt on. On the other hand, I'm also going to be cutting myself slack and sending a whole lot out to be quilted by a long armor just to get it done. So for example, those um, the donation quilts maybe, or quilts that I just make for the sake of making something, um, you know, non-artistic, well, I don't want to say non-artistic, they're all artistic, not an art quilt, anything that's kind of more of a traditional standard quilt, um, that I'll, I'll send it out to be quilted and not feel that sort of, I think, I still struggle a little bit with feeling like it's not a real quilt unless I've done every step of it myself beginning to end, and, and that's just stupid. <laughs> It's just stupid. You know, it's still a quilt. I still designed the colors, even if I'm using somebody else's pattern. Um, I still chose how it was going to go together. I still did all the work. And then I am helping to support somebody else's family. <laughs> so I just, that's a mental thing I just need to get over. But the fact that I'm not as confident in my machine quilting, and frankly, I hate, 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 hate machine quilting a big quilt on my domestic machine. I know it can be done. I've seen all sorts of stuff. I own the books and I've been to classes on quilt as you go technique. I just hate doing it. I just really hate doing it. So that's something I'm just going to say if I don't enjoy doing it, then the purpose has been defeated. I quilt for enjoyment. And if I'm sitting there gnashing my teeth and wanting to just get it over with, then that's not where I need to be. Um, 
So those are, that's sort of two ways to approach the same thing. On the one hand, I'm going to be doing more work with my machine quilting. On the other hand, I'm also going to cut myself slack and not necessarily machine quilt everything and send some stuff out. So that's what I mean by the quilted monkey off your back. These are things that I feel, again, guilt is a strong word. Maybe a vague little bit of guilt about the fact that I've got all these craftsy classes, so I just want to start working through my craftsy classes more, um, more uh, intentionally. I want to use more of my stash. I've got a couple of piles that are about to topple over in certain colorways, so <laughs> I'm going to just start, you know, kind of thinking through, okay, what project can I do next that will use some of that up? Um, I'm going to be practicing more of my machine quilting, but I'm also going to cut myself out and be willing to uh, cut myself slack and send more out to get it done so that I don't feel that um, drag on me anymore. So it's getting the quilted monkey off your back is basically getting, accomplishing those things or whatever it is that you feel might be holding you back in some way. So I'm going to ask you if you want to participate in the 2014 Quilty Resolutions, and I'll set up a form and post it on my website for you to do this. What are three things you want to get off your back, quilted related? Um, they might be UFOs. You might list three UFOs that have been sitting there staring you in the face forever, and you really just want to get them done. That's legit. It might be a technique that you want to learn that's been holding you back. Some project you've wanted to do that you've said, I just don't really know how to do Y-seams, or I just don't really know how to do curved piecing, or I, you know, whatever. Um, maybe that's your quilted monkey off your back. Maybe you need to learn whatever that technique is, or at least try it out, or, or, or do some playing with it, or whatever. Maybe it's organizational issues. Maybe your sewing room has become a complete stinking mess. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of holding you back a little bit because you can't even find your sewing machine. Um, maybe that's something you need to do. Or maybe you need to set up a sewing room. Maybe you've just moved into a new place um, and you're trying to figure out where that sewing room is going to be and it's still all in boxes. Or maybe you're in a smallish apartment and, and your um, sewing machine lives somewhere that you have to drag everything out and then put it all back. Um, and, you know, because it's not set up all the time, you have problems actually getting anything done. Maybe there's a way for you to have it set up in a corner somewhere. Maybe that's something you can look at doing. Um, maybe it's something you do really feel vaguely guilty about, a baby quilt or a wedding gift that never got made except in your head. <laughs> or, or that you've made quilts for everybody other than your own children. You know, the old saying that the shoemaker's children had holes in their shoes. Um <laughs> You know, I don't know what you feel like your quilted monkeys are, but, but give us some thought. This is not something you have to rush off unless you'd already been thinking, boy, I really want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and of course, you can do any combination thereof. You could do one UFO, one technique, one organizational issue, whatever it is you need to do to make you feel more free by the end of 2014 then let's go for it. And that's in a quilty way. I'm not taking on the rest of your personal lives. <laughs> that would be too much. <laughs> that would just be too much. You don't guys, you guys don't need to know what my own monkeys are on my back. I don't really need to know what your monkeys are unless you want to tell me, of course. But um, I do not have a license in psychiatry. So <laughs> we're just sticking to quilts right here and now, just sticking to quilts. So again, 2014 Quilty Resolutions. Give me three things that you want to get off your back, and that will be our quilted monkey off your back. And do that by January 31st. You have a whole long time to think about this. And then on or around January 31st, I will do a um, drawing random number generator giveaway 
um, for a winner of whatever at this that point I've decided to give away. And, and you, you need to understand I'm coming up on vacation and fairly extended vacation over the holidays, so I will actually have time to sit down and think all this stuff through. So probably sometime before January 31st, you will hear what the giveaway is. Okay, 2014 Quilty Resolutions, Quilted Monkey Off Your Back, three things by January 31st. And again, I will have a form on my no, either blog or podcast show notes. More likely blog. I think that's generally easier. So that'll happen. Um, sometime around when this podcast episode gets posted again. Conference call tonight. Don't exactly know what my schedule is. All right. Um, reviews. Let me give you a couple of reviews. Speaking of those craftsy classes, <laughs> I did. I ended up kind of watching through, and I haven't finished one of them yet, but I had two of the freebie classes. One of them I've had for quite some time. The other one I just started. Let me do the one I just started because I did kind of watch all the way through that one. There is a freebie class on Craftsy. It's a great way for any of you who have not yet um, taken the Craftsy Plunge to check it out. They're free, um, this particular class. This one is called Peace Patch Quilt Basic Quilt Making Skills. And somehow I did not write down the name of the teacher. I'm so sorry. Um, but if you just look at you just go on Craftsy, look either for free quilt making classes or just piece patch quilt colon basic quilt making skills. Um, now, I took this even though, you know, I, I guess I should think that I'm past basic quilt making skills <laughs> at this point, although recent stories would tell you perhaps not. Um, but in any case, you know, we all need our refresher courses. On, but I'm always into whatever new tips somebody might have. If they have a way they do something that makes it seem a little bit easier than the way I've done it, great. Uh, the person who is nameless in my notes, I'm sorry, she does seem to be a decent teacher. She's easy enough to watch. Um, but to be honest, I'm not a fair judge because I did already know everything she was showing. So it's not like I'm coming at it with no knowledge and trying to figure it out. So if any of you are brand spanking newbie quilters and you watch this class and you don't think she's as good a teacher for whatever reason, let me know and I will share that with other listeners. Or if you think she's a great teacher, um, give me your review and I will share that with, with listeners. Um, it is hard for me to judge, again, because I do already know the stuff she's teaching. It seems like she's teaching it well, but I'm not a fair judge for that. This was, however, I have to say, the first time ever on a Craftsy class that I found myself getting just a hair quilt policy. And I think it's because it is a basic quilt making skills class. Um, so that means it is geared at people who have never quilted before and may not know that there are more than one way to do things. And, and she often did not say there are more than one way to do this. And some of her methods were things that I had specifically been taught never to do and have read or heard over and over again since never to do. For example, the first time it really kind of, I, I kind of got fingernails down my spine, if that's not mixing, you know, horrific metaphors. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, anyway, she uses her lines on her cutting mat to measure and to cut. And actually there was another quilt, uh, quilt, teacher, was it Pepper Corey? Somebody else that I have a lot of respect for does the same thing, but I was taught never to do that because the lines on your cutting mat can tend not to be as accurate as a ruler. 
um, for a couple of reasons. One, maybe in the, the printing, and it's a soft material that's getting printed, so that automatically gives a little bit of variability there. Um, there are also kind of wider lines, and this all depends on what cutting mat you had, but in the picture she had the same cutting mat I did. The green one, Olfa, Fiskers, I don't remember who it is. Um, but it's the one you find all over the place at Joann's. In any case, uh, the the lines on your cutting mat are actually a little bit wider, so it depends on whether you measure to the outside of the line or the inside of the line, and you have to be really consistent one way or the other. I have that problem on some rulers too, specialty rulers, where the lines are really wide, um, and I have to remember to always be consistent. Am I using the outside of the line or the inside of the line as the line? You know, you, you've just got to watch that. Um, the other thing that can happen with cutting mats is as they get older, and I was just thinking the other day, I might, might have to be getting close to replacing mine, because the more you cut on it, the more you can start affecting those lines. Um, they can actually get, I don't want to say, they don't get necessarily off kilter, but you're grinding them up. So I just was always taught, and I've had that reinforced, re reinforced in a lot of places, that you don't use your lines on the cutting mat to do your actual measuring for cutting. It's not as accurate. And again, I don't have a problem if somebody does that, but she didn't say that there was any other way to do it. And so that bothered me a little bit. Um, she also seemed to have a really heavy hand with her pressing, which I do too, and that's always something I've sort of said is probably my biggest issue with accuracy. Uh, in any case, you know, clearly it seems to work for her, but if you're a beginner, just know that there are usually several ways, <laughs> again, to use another horrific metaphor, I'm sorry, several ways to skin a cat, with apologies to vegetarians or cat lovers. Um, just know if you're a beginner and if you're watching her class, uh, I would check it out with other, anytime you watch anybody's tutorials, anybody, anybody teaches you, if you go to a class or whatever, check it out with several people. Um, go to other sources and then see which way works best for you because everybody's going to have different results. So just know there are very, very, very few things in quilting in which there is only one way to do it. Okay. Um, so I, I will say, um, as I've taken a lot of classes over the years and through Craftsy, I really have been interested in hearing teachers talk about their favorite way to do things and why there's differences of opinions, of course, on things like pre-washing, which Noni asked me about in terms of my postcard. I come down on the I do not pre-wash category, and she can argue with me all you want, but you're not going to change my mind. That's what I do. Um, and this is only the second time in my quilting life I've ever had a problem with it, so I figured that's pretty good. 15, 18 years of quilting, I've only had a color, a fabric bleed twice, um, and both times, frankly, the fabric was from Joanne, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, but in any case, um, you know, there's a lot of people on either side of that particular camp. There's also, you'll find differences of opinion as to whether or not to pin and why you might choose to pin or not in different circumstances, on how to press, how to measure, just about everything, there's differences of opinion. Um, when I was watching Pepper Corey's Scrap Quilts class, which is great, and I love Pepper Corey, I just, I was like tweeting quotes from her <laughs> while I was watching her class. She's great. Um, but I tried, she pins very differently from the way I pin physically. Where she puts her pin, how she puts her pin in is almost the direct opposite of how I do it. So I decided, hey, I'll give it a try, see if it works better for me. I, I tried pinning like half of a project the way she did it. And it was so awkward for me because I'd been doing it too long my way. 
I still wanted to try it. I did end up going back to my own way because my own ways never not worked for me. But, you know, again, I'm always willing to try something new. Um, and her way works for her, so I wanted to kind of see. Maybe it does do something for me. So anyway, that's just an example to listen and learn to everybody's comments, everybody's way of doing stuff. Try it if, it if it feels like something you want to try, but then figure out what gives you the best results. The second Craftsy class that I just took, another freebie class, um, the one that I've had for a while, and I'm not all the way through it yet, it's Creative Quilt Backs with Elizabeth Hartman. It seems it deals with things like using large-scale prints, getting the prints to match, shows the math involved in making your quilt backs, how to sketch things out, uh, having complementary composition on the back to the front, um, different ways you can do the backing itself, etc. Um, again, I'm not all the way through it yet, so I can't do a full-out review, which is okay. I don't really have time to do one. I do want to say, however, she is a really good teacher, and she is very, very easy to watch. I really enjoy her style. She's just a comfortable person to watch. She doesn't really have any nervous habits or um, pregnant pauses or anything. I mean, she's very polished, but very comfortable and approachable at the same time. I've just really been very impressed with her teaching style. Um, so I'm enjoying going through this class. And this is one of those that, you know, I'm not doing any particular project or anything. I'm just watching the class um, episode or lesson by lesson so that I know where the information is should I want to go back to see it again later. I will also say when you do a free class on Craftsy and you post a question, you may or may not hear back from the teacher. They're very upfront about that. The other classes you hear back from the teacher generally within 24 hours. I've always had great responses from teachers on Craftsy. But the free classes, they, they do say uh, the teachers may or may not be involved once it's up there. Um, the other students, however, will respond. So if you do have questions about things, watch the comments on the side. It's quite possible somebody else has already asked the same question and you'll see several responses. Um, or you can ask a question and then, you know, you'll get responses. And make it, remember, you'll get a lot of opinions and some of them are more useful than others, but you will find a useful answer. It's like any other, you know, message board. So um, again, if the Creative Quilt Backs class with Elizabeth Hartman is, I think, a very good class, which I only say with the caveat that I've not been all the way through it again. Um, but it's, again, it's it's a lot of promise, and I just really enjoy watching her. So again, those are two free classes on Craftsy, Creative Quilt Backs, and Peace Patch Quilt, Basic Quilt Making Skills. Alrighty, let's do some listener feedback. Alrighty, thank you again. I've got a few new subscribers to the blog by email. I really appreciate that. Um, Alrighty, I got a comment from new listener, Christy. Hey, Christy, nice to meet you. Uh, she says she just started to follow my blog and podcast, which she's enjoying. Yay. And she is going to join up with the Scrappitude Fund. She's hoping she can catch up by the next clue. And you do have plenty of time. Again, reminder to everybody who is doing Scrappitude, the next clue in which Charlotte says we will be putting together our blocks will be posted um, after my guild meeting in Ju uh, January. <laughs> I almost said June. Wow, you got a long time. Um, January, which is, oh, somewhere around or about January 12th-ish, whatever the Tuesday is. The second Tuesday in January is when my guild meeting is. Um, so that's when it'll be like that night or the next day that I will post the next step. And by then, hopefully, I will also be caught up. So this is your chance. Anybody who's been thinking about doing it and wants to join up, you can do it. 
and I can guarantee you it'll be a lot easier than Bonnie Hunter's, which is beautiful, always, but I did not join in this year because I just have too many other things I want to get done. Uh, Kati commented on the postcard swap reveal in which I posted a picture of Beth's postcard to me as well as my postcard back to Beth. Uh, Kati said, it never occurred to me that she used decorative stitches for the snowflakes, but with your close-up now it's obvious. Such a brilliant idea. I love it. So Beth, you were brilliant. You really were. It was wonderful. Um, AJ Dub, Amy, uh, commented on my blog post about my mail was particularly beautiful last week. She says, you did get beautiful mail. The shawl almost looks like a poncho in that photo. It looks lovely and warm. Um, I was actually wearing it when I started recording this podcast, and then, strangely, my office actually warmed up a little bit, so I now have it off. But it is basically a poncho, more or less. I mean, it's from the same fabric or clothing family, I guess. I have gotten several people checking in on their... Um, resolutions. I'm not going to share those with you yet since that list just went up yesterday. I think I got it up or maybe two days ago. Um, so I'm going to let a few more come in before I start sharing those. But thank you for those of you who are responding. Those of you who have not yet, make sure you go to the blog and check it out. Thank you to Sherry for commenting on episode 137 in which we check in on our 2013 resolution. She says she's been watching the documentary Jazz Also. She says, like you, I'm not a big jazz fan, but I'm a huge Ken Burns fan. You might want to check out a series about baseball. <laughs> and Sherry, I'd already had that thought, um, but that's not one I want to watch without my husband because he would enjoy it probably even more than me. So I've, you know, I don't really want to hair off and watch it on my own, but it's definitely on our list. For the rest of you, there's a second vote for the documentary on jazz. Marianne commented on the same episode. She says, I had to laugh out loud with your comment of the snow event in the Philadelphia area. Having grown up just south of Philly and gone to school in Delaware before moving to Massachusetts, I understand now how different places deal with snow differently. Looking forward to that spreadsheet on resolutions. I remember the main points of mine, but not all the details. Um, so Marianne, I hope you found, I don't remember now if you were one of the ones that has responded yet. If you're not, do respond. Um, I have to say, when I drove down there last week, I, I could tell they had actually gotten a tremendous amount of snow for their area. It wasn't just a one or two inch dusting. It was There were several inches. And most significantly, there was still ice on the trees in some sections of the drive as I was heading down there. Um, and being two days later, if there's still a lot of visible thick coating of ice on the trees, I know it was that was the more dangerous thing. Ice is always worse than snow. So, you know, I'm, I'm cutting them some slack. I'm not teasing them too much about overreacting to snow like I usually do when they close down the building that I work for just because somebody's threatened that they're going to have snow. Um, Ethel commented on the same episode, and she promises me she's going to continue listening to my podcast. Phew, thank you. <laughs> That's a relief. Um, she says, I forget what my resolutions for 2013 were, so I can't wait until you put the spreadsheet on the blog. Um, and she's going to use the volunteer quote in 2014, I do not make decisions for 24 hours. Please call me tomorrow. <laughs> so that was that was great. Um, she says, I get myself into more things by saying yes too quickly. In 2014, I want to be able to volunteer on the things that I really can contribute to. Um, and she says she hopes to be able to go to the Lancaster show in 2014. So I hope you can too. Ethel, keep me posted. Let me know. Um, when I posted about the last postcard, the, the um, flag postcard that I just made for my friend, she's, uh, Kati posted, what a lovely idea, Sandy, you did good with the problem solving when it came to the bleeding. Um, she is a 
pre-washer. She says, that's the reason why I don't even take my fabrics to my sewing room when I buy them, but they go straight into the laundry desk basket. I hate to deal with bleeding and thankfully didn't have to do it too much too far, so far, unless it was a swap item where the partner did not pre-wash her fabrics. Bummer. Um, so thank you for that comment. Kati, Carol said, being able to cover your butt, I mean, mistakes, is the mark of a truly great artist. You are well on your way, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> great design too simple graphic i love it thank you carolyn and yeah um if you go back and listen to my very 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 first episode ever episode number one is where i read what i had read or i had a friend of mine read because i couldn't make it through it at my mother's um memorial service and it was something it was titled something about what I've learned, everything I've learned about life I've learned through quilting or something. And it was all of these things that mom had taught me about quilting that I could also apply to life. And um, one of them was something about uh, always have a black Sharpie handy. <laughs> it was one of the first tricks my mother taught me was how to color in the threads that should, the bobbin threads that show the front of the quilt is you just take a Sharpie and color them right in. <laughs> so I, you know, genetically this whole thing about covering our butt or you know mistakes is something in my blood apparently jackie um commented on the postcard thing and she says uh, what a great idea wonderful keepsake i love that you started a new tradition after your mom's passing it sounds like the two of you have a special relationship and i was you know i had a great relationship with my mother um still miss her and in fact um as a side note i just posted a link on I think it was on the, the same blog post where I posted the um, spreadsheet from 2013, if I recall. At the bottom, there is a link to a video of when um, the other night, Sunday night, we had, last night, actually, that was Sunday, um, we had a group from the Burmese um, community that attend our church. They're members of our church, but they also worship on their own in their own language following our worship. Um, they went caroling and... It was a fundraiser for some folks who are still living um, in hiding in the jungles in Burma, but I won't take a lot of time going into that. Um, if you're interested, you can read my work blog in their shoes, um, Women Walking with Women Worldwide, because we address that there. But in any case, um, they were doing some fundraising, and so we invited them to come to our house and um, so that we could also contribute. And there were 15 folks uh, singing carols from Burma, Christmas carols, but they were in Burmese and they were clearly um, carols from Burma. They were not, you know, carols that we're familiar with just with Burmese language. Um, and it was just phenomenal. 15 people standing in your family room singing to you is going to be a wall of sound that you cannot even begin to imagine, but they just had such energy and they were just grinning while they were singing. It was just a wonderful experience to me. Um, I had, you know, one very good friend was part of the group. I have friends with a couple other people in the group. And all I kept thinking is I could feel my mom and dad sitting next to me while I was listening to them because my parents were, you know, the ones that were working with refugees from way back um, and who brought me up into that. So um, that was a truly special moment for me on a number of le levels. Uh, so anyway, back to comments. Uh, Linda commented again on the postcard blog and she says, nice postcard and a very nice thing to do for welcoming a new citizen. Um, and it is. And, and unfortunately, we have far too many people in our congregation who are getting their citizenship now <laughs> for me to do something for everybody. So I, I had to make the decision. I was only going to do it with people that I have a very distinct personal relationship with. Um, 
So I've got another family um, that I'm very, very close to. They're basically kind of like my sister slash cousin and uh, uh, her daughter, who is sort of, I call her my friend slash daughter slash um, niece slash, you know, I just, I spend a lot of time with this family. Um, but they actually go for their citizen ex uh, exam tomorrow morning. And I have faith that they will pass, but I can't help you a little bit nervous on their behalf. Um, so they will get a, I'm already kind of planning their, um, what their quilted gift will be. Um, and that's part of what I might end up using that fabric that I bought the other day that I didn't use for this one anyway. Uh, so that one's coming up. If, if they pass their exam tomorrow, I think they'd probably get sworn in sometime in January, I would think. doesn't tend to take that long between. Diane posted, one would never know about the color bleed. So yes, I was very pleased with how successfully I could handle that. Um, and my friend Lori, who went with me on the shop hop, uh, did post that, yes, it was an awesome meal. She and I were so thrilled to find this other restaurant that we ate lunch at that I mentioned in this this story of the annual shop up. Um, it was a great time. And and uh, so she appreciated the postcard as well. And Fran from my guild commented, actually, she sent me an email that she loves the stories on my blog. I, I know a couple of people from my guild follow my blog, but I'm never really sure who or how often they actually read it. Um, and so it was nice to hear from her that she's actually been reading it. And Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner um, commented in Flickr on my postcard for the postcard swap with uh, between me and Beth, and she said she always she has always liked Laurel Birch, and this makes me like it even more. So yes, uh, Laurel Birch had some great great fabrics, and I was glad to finally be able to use one. So that is it for this episode. I can't wait for the next episode. Keep your fingers crossed that this interview actually happens this time <laughs> because it's been. Like I said, it's been a long time coming, so we really, really need to pull it off this time so we can get it in under the wire before 2014. Um, and that being said, Jay and I are also working on setting up some interviews over the holidays on some more design series episodes. So you'll be hearing more about that as well. Very exciting stuff happening in the future. So I think that's it for this episode. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, twi Twitter, Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can, and please do join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good. And by the way, you can give Kiva gift certificates to other people for Christmas. Just saying. And you will find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.